This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Boker Tov, Shavua Tov, Moed Tov. I don't even know. What are all your greetings this morning? How are you doing? Whatever greetings you like to use, <laughs> I think we should use them all. Moedim Simcha. Of course, I hope everybody's enjoying Sukkot. Um, some quite interesting stories, even for Sukkot, which is kind of a downtime. It's mm. sort of um, quiet time. A lot of people are away. A lot of people don't work. Those who do work, um, very frequently are working a half day, um, trying to transfer money through a bank. Yesterday, I got a notice to say, oh, it's Sukkot. We can only transfer this tomorrow. <laughs> so um, everything is kind of yeah, a I'm, little bit low-key. But mm. the Palestinian channels were reporting apparently that settlers carrying plant offerings in their hands read Talmudic verses and asked to enter Al-Aqsa. This was a report from a Palestinian channel and, of course, linking the Arbaminim, the four species, the Lulave Trog, to a sacrifice, trying to link it somehow to the animal sacrifice terminology um, that um, would be um, perhaps associated with this particular hug and of course people coming it's very common uh, a, a traditional for people to go to Jerusalem during Sukkot um, and in fact there was a man yesterday who was arrested heading towards the Temple Mount with a sheep and and so um, there was obviously the, the concern that he was actually going to try and carry out a sacrifice which would have been appropriate during the days of the Temple um, on Sukkot, but around these days and under the current political circumstances seems kind of less appropriate. Um, but apparently he was arrested on his way to the Temple Mount yesterday um, to uh, try to sacrifice the sheep. But it's interesting that the Palestinian channels are linking the uh, mm. four species to the sacrifices in an attempt to try and show that the Jews are somehow trying to come and make sacrifices on the Temple Mount um, and, of course, it's all about incitement and it's all about trying to create a certain atmosphere. But what will be happening today and indeed on Wednesday is the traditional priestly blessing that takes place every year on Pesach and Sukkot. Um, up until now, it's been common for it to happen on the second day of Cholomoed, both on Sukkot and on Pesach. Because for those people, even in Israel, who might be observing two days of the Chag, so the, the, the second day of Cholomoid in Israel is the first day which coincides as a, a non-holiday day. And, and people are invited to go to the Kotel and to witness the mass priestly blessing, the Birkata Kwanim, that takes place at the Kotel. Um, in the last year or so, they've split the event into two. And they're asking people to choose either today or Wednesday, but don't come to both, uh, to allow as many people to attend without too much of a crush. 
Uh, and so we're expecting both today and on Wednesday to see the traditional uh, priestly blessing, Birkat both at Shacharit and at Musaf, and of course Musaf with the uh, Halal and Etrog. And apparently this is something which is broadcast live on the Kotel channel um, online for those people who are interested to watch it. It's definitely an event mm, worth attending. Mm. It's one of those things oh, that you if you haven't been once, Absolutely. you should definitely try and get there. Um, whether you're a believer or non-believer, it's kind of one of those events that um, is worth watching for sure. That is uh, no doubt about that. Tel Aviv municipality has cancelled Sukkot activities in the city by a religious organization. This absolutely devastated me because uh, no lessons learned clearly. Well, the you know again we're seeing a kind of a standoff and a strengthening of individual positions um, and uh, opposing positions and so um, this uh, relates to the Rosh Yehudi group which was the same group that ran the Yom Kippur services in Tel Aviv and came under a lot of criticism because the protest movement turned up and said. <clears throat> The fact that they happened to, <coughs> excuse me, separate men and women and to, uh, to create a divide, a mechitza, a division between men and women is not appropriate for the city of Tel Aviv. And up until then, the city hall hadn't really made, taken any stand on this issue. Um, but when the whole uh, event happened over Yom Kippur, when the protesters came along and said, it's not appropriate in Tel Aviv for people, uh, men and women, to be split into two and for uh, the group running the service to demand that men and women be separated on public property. And that's the critical mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. Um, they were, there was, of course, the, the, the whole um, fight that took place on Yom Kippur. And then the municipality re-examined the permit that had already been issued for Sukkot to allow the Rosh Yehudi group to set up a sukkah and to run uh, Sukkot uh, activities on public property in Tel Aviv to encourage people to take uh, the Lulav Etrog, the, the Arba Minim, and to do the bracha, the brachot on the, uh, the, you know, to do a mitzvah, to take the Lulav and Etrog. Um, and they've been doing this in Tel Aviv for a number of years. They've set up a sukkah. They've been encouraging non-religious people to participate in some of the events over Sukkot. And all of a sudden, in the light of what happened on Yom Kippur, the municipality then re-examined these permits and cancelled them, said, we are not allowing this to happen. We're not allowing the Rosh Yehudi group to undertake these activities in Tel Aviv on Sukkot because they hold a certain view, which is a religious halachic view, which is inconsistent according to the municipality of Tel Aviv, with the general atmosphere and what people want in Tel Aviv. And they're not going to allow anybody to undertake activities on public property which demand separation and, to do, and which demand uh, a certain style of event, which is inconsistent with what, what the municipality considers to be the majority of you in the city of Tel Aviv. And it's interesting that the Rosh D group actually went to the Administrative Affairs Court in Tel Aviv before Sukkot in order to challenge this cancellation. And the Administrative Affairs Court in Tel Aviv 
said that they don't have the right to demand of the city of Tel Aviv uh, to undertake certain things on public property when um, the uh, municipality has full control over who and what uh, they allow to do things on their own public property. So the Administrative Affairs Court said it's not within our gift to demand of the municipality that they do certain things with public property because that is their prerogative and their right to decide. However, the judge did say that he would ask the city of Tel Aviv to come to a compromise somehow with Rosh Yehudi. So even though the judge said, I don't have the right to rule on this matter, he did very much try to encourage the two groups to come to some sort of a compromise um, in order to allow those activities to go ahead, perhaps in a different way, perhaps at a different place, but just nonetheless mm-hmm. still go ahead. Mm-hmm. That compromise was not reached in the end, and the Rosh Yehudi group announced saying that they tried to come to a reasonable compromise with the Tel Aviv municipality, but at the end, the discussions uh, didn't come out to anything and accused petty, petty politics of defeating But it is that. I mean, it, it, it's absolutely appalling. I think that, look, I don't understand what Tel Aviv municipality is thinking, even in terms of making themselves ground zero for this conflict between religious and secular Jews. Why would they invite this conflict in, which is effectively what they're doing, by saying that, you know, only certain, you know, we, and, and, and of course it's that whole irony, you know, we're very, very liberal and we're very accepting of everybody except religious people, because religious people that want to, that want to pray, who believe uh, that they need to pray separately in uh, the divide between men and women, they're the only ones who's, uh, who aren't respected. Everybody else is respected. Uh, and, uh, and Tel Aviv municipality making that very, very clear. It's, it's unlikely that they'll ever understand the irony of their choice. But, it, but it is what is strange is that they are making themselves a news item and effectively the uh, the ground zero for this conflict. Uh, how do they think they're going to get to win this? Um, the, what you're saying is entirely correct. The mayor of Tel Aviv, Ron Khuldai, has certainly taken a very firm view on the whole conflict between religious and secular. And I think that um, the, the conflict um, is the blame of both parties. I don't think that one can really lay blame at one group or the other. I think both groups have undertaken activities which really just don't sit well and, and just create more of a divide. I mean, when we see some of the statements that have been made, for example, yesterday by the uh, the Savardi chief rabbi about um, the view that he holds of uh, secular people who eat non-kosher food being stupid or becoming, becoming mm-hmm. stupid as a result of eating non-kosher food and how they um, um, they are jealous of Haredi people, whatever, just ridiculous comments which are designed to create more of a divide. And I think what's lacking at the moment is the will just to find a middle ground. And for the, the municipality of Tel Aviv to say, we would like to accommodate everybody, not one group, not another group, but everybody equally. So why don't we have an opportunity for people to pray both separately and together? Absolutely. You know, I think that... I think that that would be the, the, the compromise and let everybody choose what they want rather than be forced to choose either separation or 
togetherness, whatever you want to call it, but to be forced to choose because of what's being imposed upon the activities by the uh, municipality who obviously own the property and therefore have the right to decide who and what happens um, on their particular property. So it's, it's unfortunately just another a piece of evidence that everybody's taking a very, very firm stand. They're hardening their positions rather than trying to find a way to compromise and come together and just to allow everybody to do whatever is comfortable for them. Why would we find that others would impose upon mm. us mm. what we want to do? It's ridiculous, one way or the other. Absolutely right. Uh, very, very upsetting either way. And uh, as Carol Z says, uh, whilst uh, we're playing games here, Iran is serious, dead serious. Iran has criticized Saudi Arabia's moves to uh, come closer to Israel. What's the significance of this criticism? Um, I think it is very significant because just in the period leading up to this new kind of uh, love in between Israel and Saudi Arabia, um, it was noticeable that Saudi Arabia had become quite a lot closer to Iran. Um, and I think that that was as a result of Saudi Arabia feeling that the United States was somehow letting them down and they were not making any progress in the relationship with the United States. And all of a sudden, we saw a lot of activity going on at cooperation between Iran and Saudi Arabia, which doesn't feel like a natural match. They are two different sides of the Muslim divide. And there is a certain amount of um, a fear I don't know if fear is the right word, but concern that the Saudis feel about Iran and particularly their nuclear program, ironically. And so there was a certain um, coming together of Saudi and, and Iran um, in the period leading up to this. And now that, Iran, that Saudi Arabia seems to be getting a lot closer to the United States again and moving towards a potential normalization of ties with Israel, the Iranian president, Ibrahim Raisi, has attacked um, this normalization deal, um, and he said that uh, that the Zionist regime are apparently on a reactionary and regressive path. Sorry, not the Zionist regime, but that Islamic countries that are moving towards normalized ties with the Zionist regime um, are on a reactionary um, yeah. and regressive path. And, of course, he was referring very much to Saudi Arabia. Um, it's interesting that in the process of the normalization talks, the Saudis are very much demanding certain things from the from the Americans, and the the deal is not just simply well the Saudis love Israel and Israel loves the Saudis and we'll get together. There are a lot of terms and conditions which surround a potential normalisation of ties between Israel and Saudi Arabia, including a potential uh, nuclear program, civil nuclear program being pursued in Saudi Arabia with the support of the Americans. And interestingly, apparently the Americans are being called upon by the Saudis to respond and to help Saudi Arabia in the event that Saudi Arabia might be attacked from outside, something which the Americans apparently haven't agreed to give to any other country for, for, for probably 60 or 70 years. And now all of a sudden they are looking at a potential agreement where America will come to Saudi's aid in the, effect, in the event that Saudi Arabia might be attacked. Um, and, of course, the whole issue of the Palestinian problem 
and whether Saudi Arabia might be willing to step back from their demands that a Palestinian state be set up or not. Some people are saying that the Saudis will step back from that. Others are saying that that particular issue could be the end of a normalization agreement if it's not achieved. So the Palestinian issue is certainly somewhere there in the middle of the discussions. But right now, the Iranians clearly feeling a little alienated from all of this that's mm, going on. Mm. We don't have a lot of time, but the Shin Bet has foiled an Iranian plan to assassinate Israeli minister Itamar Ben-Gvir. Yeah, amongst others, because um, what's very fascinating about uh, this story is, of course, that uh, the Shin Bet, who Ben-Gvir has criticized a lot during the time that he's become a minister in the Israeli government, they are the ones who have actually picked up on this issue and who have foiled this plot. Five people were arrested, including two Israeli Arabs, three Palestinian Arabs and two Israeli Arabs were actually arrested by the Shin Bet after they were found to have plans to carry out a terror attack and to potentially try to assassinate the national security minister, Itamar Ben-Gvir, not only him, but also former, a former um, member of Knesset, Yehuda Glick was also on their list of people that they wanted to assassinate. Uh, and uh, Ben Gvir was forced to issue um, a statement just before Sukkot commending the Shin Bet for their work and thanking them for their efforts in order to keep him safe and, of mm. course, other mm. Israelis safe. And also, of course, to say that this does not deter him in the least, that he will continue to do everything that he's been doing up until now, in spite of the fact that he might well be in the crosshairs, um, but he has commended the Shimbet personnel and the security forces who managed to capture this terrorist cell uh, that had intended to assassinate him. Very interesting. A real strange place, this whole Middle East, uh, but quite intriguing nevertheless. That's always why we have so much to talk about, I guess. It is 8 o'clock. We can catch, uh, that was Anthony Wright with the Israel Report. You can catch Anthony tomorrow morning at 7.45. That Israel Report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you're based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebluagency.com. Редактор субтитров А.Семкин Корректор А.Егорова 